Well, well, well. Welcome to your favorite Thursday podcast. I'm Nick Mitchell. And I'm Scott Tedford Barnes. And you are listening to Legends of Sportsball, an educational celebration of useless jock knowledge. Thank you for joining us. We have a very special episode for you today. Super special, special to be, to be back, you know? Yeah, it's good to be back, baby. It's great. Today is National Pick Strawberries Day. Get rich on strawberries. Get super rich on strawberries. So we'll do the scoreboard stumper. We've got a flex seal of the week. We've got three notable jabronis this week. We'll get into our, we'll dive into our Hall of Fame inductee, Gaylord Perry. We'll get the stumper answer. We'll play sloppy top. We'll go to church and we'll send you on your merry little way. Let's do it. So without further ado. Hit me with that scoreboard, Stumper Scotty. All right. So this week saw a record broken. broken. Uh, the record was uh, 56 straight strikeouts without allowing a walk. Corbin Burns broke that record with 58. And then yesterday, Garrett Cole broke it with 61 strikeouts without a walk. Yeah. So I want to know who held the record that was broken, the 56. Was it Max Scherzer, Shane Bieber, Kurt Schilling or Greg Maddox? I gotta go with Maddox on this. All right, we'll get there. I mean, that seems like an obvious answer, but um, yeah, it's a duh Maddox stat. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go into our flex seal of the week. The super strong waterproof tape. That can instantly patch, bond, seal, and repair. Each week, we recognize a franchise transaction that in no way fills the needs of the organization. This week's Flex Seal of the Week is new Green Bay Packers quarterback, Blake Bortles. Oh, yeah. So, um, if you've been paying attention the last few weeks while we were gone uh, to the sports world, uh, Aaron Rodgers is at wit's end with the Green Bay Packers organization for not filling what he feels to be some of the offensive needs to help him bring a Super Bowl championship to Lambeau. Yeah. Um, so, you know, instead of maybe making a trade for Julio Jones or something, the uh, Packers organization decided to sign Blake Bortles oh, as an insurance <laughs> policy. <laughs> Such an insurance policy. I mean, the, the Rogers stuff broke like four hours before the draft started. And now they're like, fuck. <laughs> so last year, Aaron Rodgers threw 48 touchdowns and five interceptions. <laughs> Meanwhile, Blake Bortles played in zero games last year and threw just two passes in 2019. Wow. Nice stats, no stats. Blake Bortles, flex seal of the week. <laughs> All right, notable jabronis. First up, we've got Chicago White Sox manager. Tony LaRusso. <laughs> Already front runner for Jabroni of the Year. Yeah. Win Tony's shingles. Um, <laughs> he, uh, he, so, so he, a White Sox game against the Reds, uh, that was a dandy. It was uh, Keiko versus Sonny Gray. Um, it, went, it went to extras, and LaRusso didn't know the rule about the runner who starts at second, the Gray Eagle. He had no idea about the rule. And it's like, <laughs> Another, another just Tony way over his head. He's like, don't you know that I am baseball? <laughs> Meanwhile, I don't even know what baseball is anymore. I'm an important person. <laughs> an important Whatever person. said. That doesn't know what the rules of baseball are, apparently. <laughs> All right, next up we have Alex Rodriguez. 
Uh, Alex Rodriguez, a former Major League Baseball player, is caught up in a lover's quarrel with his ex-girlfriend Jennifer Lopez and her new f- new love affair slash old love affair with Ben Affleck. Yeah, that <laughs> lover's quarrel. Um, yeah, as a tribute to this um, lover's quarrel, we'll play the uh, Taco Flavor Kisses song from South Park. Here you go. Enjoy. Last up, we've got LeBron James. <laughs> so, if you remember, we jabronized LeBron for picking the jazz players last in the All Star draft. So, here's LeBron on the edge of not making the playoffs because Steph Curry is like on fire. It's a play in game. We'll get to the play in game stuff later. But if. <laughs> so, LeBron trashed the jazz. And they're in first place with the number one seed. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, LeBron is just eating, eating is eating crow right now. Yeah. <laughs> All right, LeBron James, we're done with you. We're done with you. And don't forget, November, you know, coming up soon, I guess, is Jabroni History Month. Yeah, don't mark it on your calendars. Yeah, so um, don't pl- forget, plan accordingly for that. And that brings us to this week's Hall of Fame inductee, Gaylord Perry. Gaylord Jackson Perry was born September 15, 1938, in Williamstown, North Carolina, to farmers Evan and Ruby Perry. Gaylord and his older brother Jim grew up plowing the fields of the family farm with a mule, yet Gaylord entertained dreams of being a cowboy or even a pro baseball player. Though their farming labor was needed, their father gave them as much free time as practical to learn and pursue their love of baseball, teaching them the game during lunch breaks, and eventually all three starred on the Alpine Cowboys, a semi-pro team. So he did get to be a cowboy yeah. and, and a baseball Exactly. Player. Doubled down. Wow. <laughs> I'm falling in love with the story already. Yes. Perry attended Williamstown High School, where he played offensive tackle and defensive end in football, but later quit to protect his baseball dreams. Gaylord would also play basketball, leading Williamstown to a record of 94 wins and eight losses <laughs> in his four years. But again, was dead set on baseball, turning down multiple basketball scholarships. <laughs> in baseball, the six foot three Perry began as a third baseman. But once his brother Jim graduated, Gaylord would take the mound, winning 33 of 38 games pitched. On June 3rd, 1958, Gaylord Perry was hastily signed by the San Francisco Giants for $90,000, giving $30,000 to his parents, thus getting them out of debt for the first time in their lives. What a guy. What a guy. What a guy. Perry's ascension through the minor leagues was tedious at times, but after posting strong numbers in 1962 for the Tacoma Giants in AAA, he received a call up to the majors to debut against the Cincinnati Reds. He appeared in 13 games in 62, but carried a 5.23 ERA, landing him back in Tacoma. 63 saw the return of Gaylord to the majors, but as a relief pitcher, putting up a mediocre 4.03 ERA in 31 appearances. Two things happened in 1964. Gaylord would make the Giants' starting rotation, but before that, he would learn a few tricks from fellow pitcher Bob Shaw, one of the most nefarious practitioners of the explicitly forbidden spitball. Spitball. I just like picture like Bob Shaw with like a hood like in a dark corner. <laughs> where it's like he's like, hey. Where it's like when Palpatine's <laughs> talking to Anakin about, <laughs> about 
about how he could keep Padme from dying. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the spitball or doctored baseball had long been outlawed since 1920, whether it be altered by simply licking their fingers or by applying a foreign substance. Pitchers would release a pitch that came out like a fastball, but would sink like a stone when it was pitched effectively. Needless to say, Perry took some lessons on the side from Shaw, and it picked up quickly, even beginning to use it in spring training. Perry admitted that in June of 1964, he and catcher Tim Haller decided it was time to try to use the spitter for a whole game, with Perry throwing a 10-inning shutout, earning him respect from his manager, but raising eyebrows from the league. <laughs> the following year was a step backwards for Perry, as he would finish with an 8-12 and record and a 4.19 ERA. His stats were bad, but his behavior was worse. He argued almost everything with umpires, shouting at teammates for fielding errors and even calling up to the scorer's box to dispute an opponent's hit to be changed to an error. Gaylord Perry did not tolerate fielding mistakes, and he would continually draw the ire of his teammates throughout his career. In 66, the 27-year-old Perry showed up to spring training three weeks early and ready to work, perfecting two sliders, a changeup, a curveball, two fastballs, and, of course, the spitter, all of which he threw with accuracy. I picture a montage right there, like a Rocky style, where he's like there three weeks early with all these different pitches, like (laughs) drinking eggs in the morning, like two fastballs. It's like (laughs) and two sliders. It's like this montage is just exaggerated. (laughs) Anyway, following the 67 season, the league rules committee officially put an end to a pitcher being allowed to put his fingers anywhere near their mouth when on the mound. (laughs) Pitchers would have to resort to substances such as Vaseline or hair tonic for lubricant. That rule virtually eliminated the pure spitball in baseball. I had the whole winter and spring to work out an adjustment. It wasn't easy, noted Perry, who did indeed practice in the mirror all winter. (laughs) (laughs) Gaylord would continue to have very strong outings in the field, but received little to no run support and was constantly outshined by teammate and 10-time All-Star Juan Marichal. On September 17th, 1968, just two days after his 30th birthday, Gaylord, Gay, Gaylord Perry threw his first and only no-hitter against Bob Gibson in the St. Louis Cardinals. Wow. Quickly to be outdone, the following day, the Cardinals' Ray Washburn would throw a no-hitter for his club, making it the only time back-to-back no-hitters were thrown in the same series. Other oddities followed that season, when Perry, who self-admittedly was awful at batting, hit the first home run of his career, exactly an hour after Apollo 11 had landed on the moon. This story is odd because in 1963, Giants manager Alvin Dark had joked that, quote, there would be a man on the moon before Gaylord Perry would ever hit a home run. (laughs) (laughs) And it literally happened. Yeah. (laughs) An hour after Apollo 11 landed, Perry did hit a home run. That's so funny. Always to be outshone. If, if only he had predicted that it would be an hour later, then it would just be creepy, <laughs> super creepy. In 72, Perry would be traded to Cleveland Indians in exchange for Sam McDowell, the ace of their staff. After the trade, though, Perry would win 180 more career games, while McDowell would only win 24. <laughs> Perry went 24-16 and in 1972 with a 1.92 ERA and took his first Cy Young Award and the first Indians pitcher to win that award until CeCe Sabathia won it in 2007, which is, you know, about 30 years later. 
Gaylord continued as Cleveland's ace for the next three years, accounting for 39% of their wins in the process, but the team never finished above fourth place. Damn. After constant tensions between the pitcher and manager, Frank Robinson, Perry was traded to the Texas Rangers just before Cleveland began a series against the Rangers in June of 1975. Perry would spend three years in a Rangers uniform pitching alongside Pert Fly Levin, Doyle Alexander, and my man, Doc Ellis, but would be traded to the San Diego Padres in 1978. At this point in his career, it was common knowledge that Perry greased up his pitches with a plethora of substances, but that gave him a competitive edge mentally as well. He would often touch his eyebrows or hat or back of his neck or even the belt when staring down a hitter. This type of behavior got in the heads of hitters and would make them believe he had added something to the ball, or had he? Umpires had stated that they closely examined a batch of balls he had used and claimed them to be clean. On the other hand, Gene Tennis, who caught Perry in his time with the Padres, stated, quote, I can remember a couple of occasions when I couldn't throw the ball back to him because it was so greasy that it slipped out of my hands. I just walked up to the mound and fl flipped it back to him. <laughs> <laughs> two takeaways one he kind of is like a real life cowboy yeah. like he's just like <laughs> it's like whatever and two like i feel like there could be a netflix documentary about this guy definitely 1978 was a massive year for perry as he would record his 3,000th strikeout just two weeks after his 40th birthday and would finish the season 21 and 6 <laughs> 40 years old at 40 <laughs> At season's end, Perry was awarded the Cy Young for the second time in his career, becoming the first pitcher to win the award in both the American and National Leagues. 1979 was much less outstanding for Perry, and in September of that year, he demanded to be traded to the Rangers or he'd retire. <laughs> Gaylord bounced between the Rangers, the New York Yankees, and the Atlanta Braves from 79 to 81. Perry was the oldest player in the majors, while with the Braves and at season's end, was just three wins shy of 300 career wins, though the Braves would release him following the 81 campaign. Very few clubs were interested in the 43-year-old pitcher at the start of the 1982 season, but the Seattle Mariners took a chance on Perry, and he earned the nickname Ancient Mariner from his teammates. On May 6, 1982, Perry earned his 300th career victory, but that milestone was soon overshadowed in a game in which he would be warned about throwing a doctored pitch, and then eventually thrown out for throwing a legit spitter. Perry drastically wound down in 1983 when he spent time between the Mariners and the Kansas City Royals. In the infamous pine tar game that saw George Brett fight with umpires about pine tar on his bat after a home run, Perry made off with the bat in question, but before being chased down by stadium security and promptly kicked out of the game. That's hilarious. <laughs> Stole the bat. <laughs> Run off with the evidence. Such a cowboy. Such a cowboy. <laughs> At the end of the 83 season, Gaylord Perry retired, finishing with 314 wins for 11th all-time and 3,534 strikeouts, which placed him third all-time. Due to the controversy of his pitching repertoire, it took Perry three attempts to get into the Baseball Hall of Fame in 1991. And in 1999, the, the Sporting News listed him 97th on the 100 Greatest Players of All Time list. In 2005, the Giants retired Perry's number 36. And in 2011, the Giants honored Perry, Willie Mays, Willie McCovey, and Orlando Cepeda with World Series rings. 
The Giants extended the honor a second time in 2015 with Perry, Mays, and McCovey receiving honorary rings as well as Juan Marichal. Gaylord Perry shared the record for consecutive 15-win seasons with a Cy Young himself at 15 before that record was squashed by Greg Maddox. To this day, Perry is asked, where did you hide it or what was the best substance by fans and players alike? Either way, 300 wins is 300 wins. Gaylord Perry, hothead, trickster, legend. Legend. All right. So, um, a couple footnotes here. Uh, Joe Posnanski had to say this about um, Gaylord Perry. He said, quote, My favorite trick pitch was his old puffball, where he would load up on rosin so that a puff of white smoke would release while he threw pitches. This was made illegal somewhere along the way, of course because of him, but it's, it's so awesome. It's like the sort of thing that one of the villains from the old Batman TV show would do. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, imagine that. Like, this, this guy's about to throw the ball at you, and it's this huge cloud of smoke, and you can't even see it leave his hand. Like, <laughs> like that's so illegal that it's awesome. <laughs> and then um, per- Perry, liter- uh, he, he reached out to the makers of Vaseline about, endorse- about him endorsing the product. And uh, Vaseline sent him back a one list, a one line postcard, reading, um, "quote We soothe babies' backsides, not baseballs." <laughs> <laughs> like, man, this guy is nuts. <laughs> it's almost like they took a stance against him. Like, hey, man, that's not what this. That's not what this shit is for. Well, the funny thing, uh, one of the one of the old spitball throwers from like the twenties and thirties was quoted on saying that like he during the 60s he's like that's the most spitballs i've ever saw was during the 60s <laughs> <laughs> so like I, I imagine it said like one of the stats was like gaylord perry um you know accounted for 39 percent of the cleveland indians win so i bet it, like 39 percent of those were spitballs <laughs> like yeah <laughs> yeah all right what a legend yeah all right let's get that stumper answer so i wanted to know who whose record for most strikeouts without allowing a walk was broken this last week? I wanted to know did the did the, did the record of fifty six belong to Shane Bieber, Max Scherzer, Kurt Schilling, or Greg Maddox? And you said Greg Maddox. Maddox was second behind oh. this guy, so it's Kurt Schilling had it. He had fifty six. Maddox had a streak of 51. Wow. Yeah. So, Garrett Cole, congrats on 61 straight strikeouts without a walk. (laughs) Oh, next up, let's play Sloppy Top. Yeah. This week's sloppy top topic is what do you call it when you're traded within the same city? Like the same locale. As in like uh, recently Albert Pujols was traded from the Los Angeles Angels to the Los Angeles Dodgers. Yeah, the Los Angeles. It's like 20, like 20 miles away. Yeah, like or if you get traded from the Mets to the Yankees. Yeah. Um, so or Cubs to White Sox. That's, there you go. Ooh, that'd be crazy. Or like Astros to. I think Sosa was Sosa traded from the Cubs to the White Sox. Did he go to the White Sox? Uh, maybe my voice got real high right there. Yeah, I think <laughs> might have been with the White Sox before the Cubs. Okay, 
Anyway, what do you call it when you're traded within your own city, in your own sport, in your own profession? You, do, you don't have to move. Yeah, that's nice. I mean, you're like, sweet. I mean. What about something like really the only thing that changes is your uniform? Ooh, like a costume change. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just like just straight up like, Oh, costume change. Yeah, like, <laughs> our holes made a costume change. <laughs> 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 oh, was that an AL to NL <laughs> costume change or an NL to AL costume was it change? An interdivisional <laughs> costume change. <laughs> oh wow, there's all these different like you know. Um, <laughs> all right, it's just like the foundation of the, the idea. These, these are pronouns for the costume changes. <laughs> Can't call it a wardrobe malfunction. It's not a malfunction. <laughs> What do you call it when you get like a makeover, like a wardrobe makeover? Oh, like a blowout. <laughs> <laughs> Our pools had a blowout. <laughs> oh, this is great. Yeah. Is that what they call it for real? I mean, that's like your hair, like a blowout, like, but like still. He's like, you know, sucking his teeth and throwing his weave back and changing teams. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, sloppy top answer is a blowout. A blowout. <laughs> Albert Pujols had a blowout. Or like Jay Bruce when he went to the Mets or like whatever, Yan Yankees to Mets, it was like blowout. <laughs> Jay Bruce had a blowout. Some blowouts are good, some blowouts are bad. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. True. Uh, let's go to church. Going to church. Uh, we'll start with confessional. Scotty, I believe you have a confession to make. Indeed, I... I I have sinned. Uh, a sinner comes before you. Shame. So, outside of the show, I bashed Shame. the NBA idea of the play-in game Shame. for the playoffs, Shame. and I like I hated Shame. it. I really hated it. But now that I see it like actually Shame. taking place and forming, Shame. I need to shut my mouth. Put my Shame. put put my foot in my mouth. Uh, it's actually Shame. pretty awesome. The fact that like the Golden State Warriors pretty much hold LeBron's fate in his hands. Shame. Like I'm a Lakers fan, but I I like watching Steph Curry win. <laughs> yeah, it's playing out like the WWE where you think like Shame. this weird play in thing that they add isn't going to matter, but then it turns out to be Shame. like Shawn Michaels versus Shame. Yeah, right. Yeah. Actually, it just always ends up being Daniel Bryan being in the triple Shame. threat match. But um <laughs> yeah, that's the analogy I was but, looking so, for. <laughs> I confess, I was wrong. Like I was definitely wrong. I was I I thought the playing game was the dumbest thing I ever heard because it's the NBA has been dragging their feet on getting the playoffs started in the first place. So I'm just like, get it over with already. But I guess the playing game's cool. I mean, we'll see if it interrupts the the Olympics. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you should have given NBA more credit, as we've been saying more frequently. Yeah. Like the NBA does things in a and seems to be doing things the smart way as opposed to the other professional adam silver is incredible yeah like that dude's that dude's just great for everything so there you go do you feel better now that you've confessed yeah i mean a little bit i can't wait i can't wait to watch the warriors lakers game at 10 o'clock tomorrow night nice well that'll have been yesterday but yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> we've got a few t's and p's to throw out there first one is to uh, so it's Kevin Pillar, Kevin Pillar, for the for the New York Mets. He got um, he got hit in the face with a fastball, uh, from Jacob Webb from the Braves. Yeah, and he's got some serious like nasal fractures. He's got to have surgery, 
Um, he's got to go to a facial specialist in Atlanta. But his quote, his quote's pretty good. So T's and P's, but his quote's good to, good to hear him in good health. He said, I feel good. I feel really good, actually, despite not looking so good. I feel as close to normal as possible. <laughs> Jeez. Doesn't look good, but, I mean, good thing for him. And he's, he was remaining his eyesight. You know, his eyesight's still intact. Goodness gracious. Yeah. All right. Thoughts and prayers to Kevin Pillar. Also, thoughts and prayers to ex-Austin P. Governor's defensive back, Wontarius Bryant, um, who fell victim to an Atlanta Falcons tryout hoax. Um, he got a call from someone who was pretending to be defensive coordinator, Atlanta Falcons uh, defensive coordinator, Dean Pease. Um, so then Brian arrived at the team facility Wednesday last week um, to accomplish his NFL dream, but instead was turned away. Yeah. Um, he's got a really good attitude about it all over Twitter, staying humble, saying this is like, you know, just one of the step next steps to um, him making it. You know, he was originally a walk on at Austin P, but became a first team all Ohio Valley Conference defensive back by his senior year. Yeah, he played in 43 games, eight tackles for eight and a half tackles for losses, three forced fumbles, interception. Um, the Falcons de, um, declined to comment on the situation, um, but they at least had talked to him about it, and you know, talked him through the whole thing, and you know, I yeah. think they tried to empathize with them. But yeah, thoughts and prayers to Wontarius Bryant. Maybe this is like one of those signs that. In a weird way, something's going to turn around for you and, you know, give you that determination. Like, you know, if anything, like, go, like, give the Carolina Panthers a call. They seem like a charity case right now, so. Shoot. I, I mean, the Bengals could always use more <laughs> defensive backs. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Anybody who walks on and becomes first team all-conference right. has that kind of work ethic already. Yeah, I mean. If you're going to pick on somebody, don't pick on somebody like that, you know? Yeah, I hope, I hope a team gives them a shot. Like, I think it would be cool if a team at least signed into, like, their practice squad or something, scout team. Yeah. Yeah. Seems likely it'll happen. But Tease and yeah. peace to you, Joe Terry. sir. All right. So don't forget to subscribe to our weekly podcast and check out our other episodes available on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple, and more. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Legends of Sportsball. You can also find us on Twitter at LSportsball. Tune in next week as we deep dive Gary Sheffield. Thank you once again for listening to Legends of Sportsball. May the sports be with you. Always.